Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and with me again today is John. Yo. How you doing today, buddy? Good. That's good. I'm excited to talk about Sony's big news. Yeah? Can I, I, I kind of want to hijack it a little bit. Just just a little bit. Like right now? Yeah. Hit me with it. What uh, you got? So, I, graphics are amazing. Price point's amazing. <laughs> uh, it looks incredible, the device. Yeah. Well, three ninety nine. it's a steal. Everyone should own it. Are you talking about the PS5? No, Ape Escape 2 is on oh. sale on PSN. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, you, you you did have me going because I was like, wait a minute. They didn't announce a price. Did you get fooled and then we're going to look foolish on this podcast? But instead you made me look foolish because you got me. That was funny. Ape Escape was, is a really good game. Too. Hell yeah, it is. Ape Escape's dynamite. So, uh, well, welcome everybody. It is, uh, you're listening to this on Thursday, March 19th. And uh, some interesting news. So I actually had to close my store for two weeks because of the coronavirus. So I guess to to be frank, uh, I didn't have to. Uh, there was a new mandate in Wisconsin that basically said no more, no gatherings anywhere of people, of ten or more people. There were certain exceptions to the rule, and one of those exceptions was uh, retail. So I could have stayed open. Um, but in the business I'm in, it's really difficult. We, we're constantly buying things from people. We Last weekend, because of all the kids being off school, we had like one of our best weekends ever that wasn't a sale. And it all made me realize that we're part of the problem in this thing spreading if we don't shut down since people aren't going to take it upon themselves to not come in. And it's really, really difficult, man. I'm going to be honest. As a business owner and someone who worked at GameStop for 11 years, never called in sick, worked the first two and a half years of my business six days a week never called in sick never missed a day like it's hard to close for a day for snow let alone two weeks for this and it's been really tough man i I did not sleep well last night and i made the announcement this morning and and it's fine i know it's the right thing to do but it's, it's hard you know and there's a part of me that wonders like i almost wish the governor had said you have to close because then if i close for the the two weeks and then we fail and we can't reopen or something, then it's not my fault. I was forced to, this is my decision. If I end up ultimately being wrong, like there's no one I can blame this on except for myself. And so I don't know. Um, it, it's tough. I, I, uh, I have such a hard time talking about it. Cause I keep going back and saying the same thing. It's tough, it's, but it really is like, I really struggle with this a lot. No, I know I did the right thing. That's what's so weird, you know, but, and, and I just feel like I had to put people over, profits i guess as silly as that sounds like i know that's like a a thing that typically corporates would be like oh we're gonna put profits over people and blah 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 um and obviously we're all like no we want people first but the the people you know but that's often not how do i want to say it's like that's often not how it goes like it's just not realistic and so yeah so i'm doing it i decided it was better for the customers in the area my employees me and my family just to be closed and I never thought I would ever in my life close the store for two weeks for anything, uh, let alone this of all things. And to be clear, the reason we're closing is to help stop the spread and to, or to reduce the speed of it. Because in my business, because we're buying and selling and trading, lots of kids in there, lots of parents, a lot of kids are cooped up. They're bringing them in. People are selling us stuff. We don't know where it's been. We don't know where it's going when we kick it out. And so ultimately, we had to make that decision. It was, it was difficult, but I know it was the right thing to do. 
I'm just worried, man. I won't lie. I'm like really worried about it. Um, I, and probably more so than I need to be because I've been saving money for nine years for an emergency and I've never had one. So this is like the first game trade emergency that I had to step in and, and use that emergency fund. But so you've got at least nine hundred dollars. I've got I've got a couple a couple hundred bucks <laughs> yep. and a couple uh, sealed PS2 RPGs, you know, really get this shindig going. Yep. Your, your, your nest egg is just a sealed copy of Rule of Rose. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all. All you take me to retirement. Baby. Yep. You're going to get it graded and it's just going to exponentially increase yeah. in value. And, and it's so it's so funny. I'll tell a little bit of a story. So I had an emergency meeting at the store yesterday with the staff to decide if we were going to do this or not. And I got to give them credit. I really thought I was going to tell them, hey, I'm going to pay you guys to not have to work for two weeks. And I really thought that was what they were going to say was best. And they all really stepped up and said things like, you know, hey, we, we, here's how we could make it work if we did stay open. We could make it work. Yeah, it'd be kind of a pain, but I think we could do it. I'm a little nervous, but I think we could do it. That was really everyone's attitude, and it was really nice. But then I realized a little bit like, did I, did I do to them what GameStop did to us over the years? Which was take out the personal side of things and then make us just like these corporate thinking like business first giants where all we care about is the business you know yes. and, and don't get me wrong i have to care about the business because it feeds four other people you know and so it's not just me it's me and four other people like need that money you know so it's not just me when i make these decisions um but i thought about it and i thought man i feel like they didn't even bring up once how they felt about their own personal safety they were worried more about the business and so i take i took a lot of pride in that actually it made me very happy and then i made the decision ultimately to to shut us down um and we're gonna and we are gonna work a couple days in there because we're gonna rearrange some stuff and we're gonna we're gonna do an inventory so that'll be cool uh seeing as how we've been a while since we did one uh, but man, it, it's tough. I'm not knowing the future, man. I normally don't live that way. You know, I don't do things if I don't believe in a certain level of success. I don't typically go into a situation without a plan. And this really is no plan, you know, because in two weeks they could say, well, in order to slow it down even further, we're mandating everyone closed for four weeks. And then you could be like, oh, well, I shouldn't have closed for the first two weeks since now I have to be closed for four, but ultimately is the right thing to do. So, um, I put up the video on Facebook. Everyone's been really supportive, which is great. All the customers and friends are been getting messages and, and Facebook messages and personal messages, texts all day, like from people saying, Hey, you're fine. And had a few people on Twitter that I do podcasts with that know I own a game store. They said something like, Hey, are you okay? You know, can you survive it? And, and I don't want anyone to feel sorry for us. We'll be okay. This is what I've been saving for. <laughs> you know, this is why when I bought my Jeep last summer and I took a little bit of money out of the business as like a, as like a gift to myself for my hard work, I had like a, panic attack doing it because this month that money i never feel like it's mine i feel like it's an untouchable asset that belongs to somebody <laughs> but apparently not me but enough of that uh that's just what i want to kind of touch on first and um i don't know what, what are your thoughts on businesses closing during you know during this time well i was uh i was actually telling my wife nicole that uh i was like i'm i'm even more glad i'm out of gamestop now uh because one, the post office, we ain't closing. Right. Uh, <laughs> if the post office stops delivering the mail, uh, hell has freeze, frozen over. In the last 30 years, um, the office I work out of said that they didn't deliver mail three days out of 30 years worth, yeah, of, that's impressive. worth of days. You're basically Kevin Costner in The Postman. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be that, too, because that was a post-apocalyptic movie, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. I actually really like that movie, but it's, you know, guilty pleasure. Can't yeah, say I, it's good. I just say I enjoy it. I think I saw that once in, like, 1997 and never again. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, 
like I I foresee GameStop probably closing its doors for a, at least a bit. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's going to get to that point. I mean, the uh bars are bars and restaurants are closed. I was driving down uh I was driving down Main Street at like 5 p.m. and I saw a cop like like haranguing some drunk lady outside of a bar oh, that geez. clearly would not leave. It was funny when I drove past like when I was leaving my store to come here like that whole back alley by Gallagher's there and all like, you know, that whole thing's empty. Yeah. You know, there's just nobody out, which obviously is because you can't be out. You know, there's a, a mandate and anybody who doesn't live in Wisconsin, who's listening, they mandated that all bars and restaurants shut down. All non-essential businesses must shut down that have a gathering of 10 or more people uh, with the exce- a few exceptions, like obviously grocery stores, gas stations, and they basically said all retail, but they did say indoor malls would close. So the Bay Park Square, as far as I know, is closed at this moment. Like, by the mandate, they should have been closed. Yeah, which is weird, though, because that it's such a big space. Yeah, I, so. think, I think it's more like they think malls are still really busy. Like, you could tell the old people that made that mandate are like, oh, malls where all the young kids go and congregate. Yeah, because, like, oh, like the mall. Walmart has substantially more people in it. Yeah. In, a, in a confined space than what that mall oh, yeah. does. Yeah, and they said something like some of the businesses that were exempt also were like car dealerships where they're huge. So if you have 20 people in there, you're still like 20 feet away from each other or something. I think they did that just to not totally terrify the, the car industry. Well, and, and that's really true, and this this is going to hurt. Like there's no yeah. ifs, ands, or buts about it. People are getting laid off. People are getting reduced hours because businesses aren't staying open or not working as much. Um. You know, and I'm not I'm not bragging about this, but like I told my guys I would take care of them, you know, like I'm paying them still, you know, and now if this two weeks turns into six weeks, we might have to look into the the options the government has, which is like some payback in form of like temporary unemployment and stuff like that. We may have to look yeah. into that, you know, but we'll see. I mean, I would love to take care of them still. It's just I have to decide if that's what I can do for the business, you know, but I think I can. It just depends on, on how much I want to shift that responsibility to the government ultimately, which is what they're here for. They're meant to back us up in situations right. like this. So I'm not going to feel bad if I have my guys get four weeks of pay from the government instead of getting four weeks of pay from me. So, but again, if the government refused it or something, I'd be like, yeah, I got you. You know, I'm not letting you guys hang out in the wind, you know. You're obviously paying them in some sort of loan shark heavy interest uh, repayment <laughs> well, style. Clearly, yeah. Oh yeah, I give I give them give them 100 interest forwards on their paychecks weeks in <laughs> advance. It's great. Um, but that's all I really had about it. It was just you know it was it was tough. It was um it was a decision that I I mean on Tuesday I wasn't even think or on Wednesday or excuse me Monday I wasn't even thinking about it. Tuesday afternoon I made the decision. Wednesday night we closed for two weeks. You know we're we're closed officially now uh, for two weeks till April third. That's crazy. So, crazy. But first up on the podcast, hey, John, we're going to talk about something not as depressing as that, kind of. We're going to talk about, oh, hold on, I got to queue it up. Oh, old Greggy was slacking again. Sorry, everybody, we have to reset that. That's how, how it do, how it do. So first up on the podcast today, John, we're going to be talking about this Kotaku article from Jason Schreier. The headline is, as Naughty Dog crunches on The Last of Us 2, developers wonder how much longer this approach can last. And so the article goes on to say, on one Friday night last month, some artists at the video game studio Naughty Dog were working on their latest game when they heard a crash. A large metal pipe had fallen from above them and landed next to their desks. If it had dropped a few feet closer, the consequences might have been dire. It was late, past 9 p.m., and the construction workers above had perhaps recklessly assumed that nobody was there. But at Naughty Dog, people were always there. (laughs) 
So anyway, that goes on, and I, we'll talk more about it, obviously, here. Um, and now everyone who listens to this podcast and who watches these on YouTube, they know that I've talked about crunch a lot. Every time there's an article about this company and this crunch and these things coming out, um, I talk about it. And so I've never talked about it with you, though. So I would like to ask you first, when you see an article like this, what's your first reaction when you see an article saying that these employees and not that every article is the same, you know, but that some employees are working more than usual. And I, obviously, you know what crunch is. It's, yeah. you know, we've dealt with it in our, our line of work. Um, but when you see an article like this, like what's, what's your first thought when, when you, when you see this headline, or when you see this article? Uh, well, I mean, I, they talk about that pipe falling and, uh, I was just thinking to myself, it's probably HVAC piping that fell from the ceiling. And who hasn't been hit by it? <laughs> HVAC piping in the head? Maybe. Yeah, it's all. Maybe. it happens all the time. But anyway. Um, but, like, <laughs> crunch, I. it happens in every video game. Every single video game goes through a period of crunch for the most part. Uh, I think the only companies that I've heard say they don't do crunch are, like, very, very, very small indie developers. Um, and, like... A handful of them. Well, and Nintendo, I, I'll still argue, I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, Nintendo argued that they delayed Animal Crossing to avoid crunch. If you remember okay. that, that was the big thing. They said, it's not coming out. We know you're all disappointed, but this is the only way we could avoid overworking our employees. Nintendo said that when they pushed back Animal Crossing. And, of course, everyone ate it up, and it was like, oh, my God, see, this is why they're the best. you know. But Japan's work weeks are insane anyway. The work culture so... in Japan is on another level above us as far as the expectations of putting in extra work. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't, I don't even know what, what Japanese crunch is compared to American crunch. Sure. Like maybe they're already working 60, 70 hour weeks. They just didn't have to work a hundred. I believe it. I mean, and then there's also the Japanese culture of like, if you don't go out and drink with the, the team after work, like you're, you're looked down upon. So like, it's almost like you're working a 14 hour work week or work day anyway. Yeah. You work hard, you party hard there. That is, that is no joke. Like the, the, the bars in Tokyo especially can get really nuts. Yeah. But like, so the problem with game development is that for the first like year potentially depending on how long your development is you don't have the tools set up to be able to see great strides and you're really building the building blocks to get your game off the ground and so a lot of stuff happens in that last like year to six months in development you're you're actually seeing graphics on the screen far more. You're tackling bugs as they creep up. I mean, like the last like four or five months of game development is a lot of like, oh crap, this thing broke because yeah. we added this new feature and we have to f- figure out why this broke and fix it. So that is important because if they don't do that and if they release the game and it and it is riddled with bugs, it's going to fall flat and its sales are going to be terrible. Right. And game games sales really revolve around that first like month. If that if that game bombs in its first first month, it it's tanked and usually they're on to the next thing. Like yeah. I mean Anthem is a good example of that. The the game bombed and they they walked away from it for the most part. Yeah. Well, and 
game development, I think, is even a special beast when it comes to this because game develop is so front resource heavy. There is zero payoff on anything that you're doing until the product's released. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's pre-orders and stuff, but that's not you're not getting those. Copies. That's just numbers coming from the retailers for how many they want to order, essentially. You're not getting that money from them yet. And so game development forever, like since its inception, has always revolved on a very arguably unhealthy relationship between developer and publisher, Mm -hmm. right? The developer, if they're not owned by the publisher, the developer has to go to them and have an idea. They pitch it to them. The company then says, okay, well, here's a bunch of money, but here's milestones. If you don't meet these milestones, you don't get your check and you don't get your next check. This game has to stay on task. And I'm sorry, I don't care how good of a planner you are. You can't map out two years perfectly when it comes to something like game design. It yeah. just, it, it's, it's just, it just doesn't happen. You're always going to have scheduling differences, right? There's too many variables There's that can happen. Way to too many things. variables. Way too many. Because, like you said, you may not know that you broke something until way late, you know. And so, you know, it is. And it's not that I'm advocating for, and I'm going to say this many times during this, I'm not advocating for like corporate power. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, the devs are being greedy and the corporations are the, 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 you feel sorry for them. I'm not saying that, but there is a substantial risk that publishers make when they put money into a developer. Now, to be fair, um, Naughty Dog and Sony have a specific relationship that way. And there's a lot less probably restriction on that. The, the, um, they're not going to run into the same deadlines and sony's not going to put a mandate that says this game has to be done by this day or you're not getting your next check it's not going to happen yeah with, with sony and their their studios yeah their their milestone requirements like other developers have yeah you, you know as but but an indie developer like like and for good reason sometimes look at x-men destiny with uh silicon knights and dennis dyack you know he basically they took the money they were getting from activision and funneled it into trying to make eternal darkness too yeah so you had a company that was making the just doing the bare minimum with the money they were given from activision to try to work on some other project but then still get their project going in fact i think there were even rumors that they were purposely making it bad so activision would just cancel it (laughs) you know because they didn't want the game to come out with their name on it and guess what you know it didn't get canceled and it came out and it stinks apparently i've never played it i actually had as my i put it i picked it up remember a few weeks ago yeah, I, I had it in my I pickup pile because well. i'm an x-men fan so of course i want to pick it up um so the article goes on to say though many who've worked at naughty dog over the years describe it as a duality as the place that could be simultaneously the best and the worst workplace in the world working at naughty dog means designing beloved critically acclaimed games alongside artists and engineers who are considered some of the greatest in their fields But for many of those same people, it also means working 12-hour days or longer and even weekends when the studio is in crunch mode, sacrificing their health, relationships, and personal lives at the altar of the game. Quote, they do try to take care of you, providing food, encouragement to go take breaks, said one former developer. But for the most part, the implication is get the job done at all costs. End quote. So when you hear that, You've had jobs before. Like, I make this argument all the time, and we talked a little bit before the podcast about it, but we, we, I make this argument all the time. You said the same thing I do. Every industry has some crunch period. Yes. Right? Every single one. So, like, for instance, you work at the post office. Yep. What's your crunch time? So, during the holidays, so, on an, actually, outside of the holidays, if you work a past eight hours in a day, you get overtime. So hours 9 and 10, you get time and a half. Hours 11 and 12, you get double time or what's called penalty overtime. Well, during the holidays, 
they expect you to work into that 11 and 12 hours, and so they take away the penalty overtime. So you're not eligible for that penalty overtime at all during the holidays because be- they know it's going to be busy. They know busier. it's going to be super regular they that know, you're going over. Okay. Yeah, that they know hours are going to be longer. Like, during the holidays, I would come in every morning at 5.30, and then I was leaving at 6.30 to 7.30 at night pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you don't mind because you know that there's an end in sight. So sure. the, there's, there's a payoff. Your payoff is I'm getting a damn good paycheck because I'm working a ton of hours or, Hey, like this is, this is rough, but January 10th, everything goes back to normal mm-hmm. and, and I get to get to relax a little bit. Yeah. So, well, oh, so, so let me ask you this, and how, how long does, when you say holiday season, how long is that ramped up for? Uh, pretty much two and a half months, so okay. starting around Thanksgiving. So here's the point I'm going to make about that, and I actually just thought of this as you were talking. So let's say Naughty Dog was apparently in crunch for like a month before it was supposed to originally release in January, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what they said, January, or was it February? February. February, yeah. So it was supposed to launch in February. They're apparently in crunch already. So let's say it was two months of crunch there. The date is now May. Is that right? So that added four months of crunch. So realistically, they're arguing that this game has been in crunch for six months. Okay. Okay. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that's okay. I I don't think an unhealthy work environment's good, right? But how long has The Last of Us 2 been worked on? Uh, Arguably- Five, Five, six years. Five, six years, right? So let's take- the six months of crunch they've had divided by that five, six years. Let's just say f- six years for even numbers. So that's basically one month out of the year they're in crunch mode. R- broken out over the time of the project. Obviously, it's six months in a row, which is a different beast. I admit to that. Yep. But they're in crunch mode for six months out of the total project. You, if you work six years, I mean, you're, you're, you're crunching that almost exact same number. You're crunching two months out of every single year. You're crunching. Um, I would say the same thing about me for holiday season for me. Now when I have my own store, not so much, but at GameStop especially, it used to be when I was there that you were put on mandatory six-day work weeks from the six weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas and yep. then the week after Christmas. So essentially seven weeks, arguably two months. Let's just and I th- one week shy of two months. They gave you like three extra days they, off. They give you three extra days off, which they don't give you payroll for. Yep. And so you can't take them because your payroll doesn't count towards the store, but your employees do. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, are they actually in a crunch mode or a busy mode any more than the average retail worker that works holidays or a restaurant worker? I mean, like bar workers who have St. Paddy's Day, the Super Bowl, New Year's Eve. You know what I mean? Like, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is, are we, like, is it really exclusive to that not just video games but the tech industry because they always talk about that they talk about any industry that has projects the projects finished in the last few months leading up to the end of the project there's more work yep my wife has that where she works because there's a deadline you're doing everything you can you've you've mapped it out perfectly you hit some sort of snag you're behind you got to work extra to catch up and so i don't know i guess do you feel like it's any different you having a busier holiday season where you're working 12 hour days compared to them um Obviously, it's different because it's an extended period of time in a row. But at the end of that crunch, they're going to have something to be really, really proud of. Like, at the end of the holidays at 
at GameStop. You didn't have something that you could be like, ah, damn, I did a good job. Yeah, like, yeah. Look at, look at what I did, and like you, nobody's gonna be like, oh yeah, good job. You really ran the hell out of that store. Um, they, they're gonna have a game of the year when they're done. They're gonna have a game that people yeah. are gonna talk talk about and, for twenty years, and and not just for their personal pride. They're going to be able to put that on a resume. Yeah. You know, and I guess I don't know how to say this without people thinking that I'm somehow entitled either, but I'm just going to come out and say it. You can't have the expectation that you're going to have your best, greatest dream job the first place you work. You have to work up the chain. You know, you have to either stay one company and you work your way all up to the top or you shift companies looking for the one that has the right benefits for you and your benefits that are right for you change over the years. Sometimes you'll like later in life, you might say, you know what, I'll take a little less money but I'll take an extra three weeks of vacation any day. Yeah. That's worth more to me than an extra $5 an hour or whatever it is, you know? And so I guess I see these articles and, and I, I don't advocate for employee abuse, but I work 12 hour days all the time. <laughs> and I know that I own my own business and I get that. And I'm not, you know, but like when crunch time happens and, and crunch time is like a weird thing. Cause the word crunch literally comes from the idea of crunch time, which is go time. It's like, we, we, we got to, we got to finish, you know, it's yep. the end of the end of the race. And so if we have someone bringing a whole bunch of trades and we got a big sale count, if we got to get everything processed before that, like we have to work multiple hours, come in early, stay late until we get the work done, you know, and we don't have any product like you're saying at the end of show for like they do. So I'm not saying I'm not advocating that we should be angry at the employees for being disappointed for having to work that much. I'm just saying we don't need to coddle them. I guess I don't, we don't need to baby them. You know, they're adults who made the decision to work at this place. The, the company I feel really like for, as far as crunch goes is Epic with Fortnite because yeah, Fortnite is the biggest damn game on the planet and has been for two, two and a half right. years. Perpetual crunch. And, and they've been on crunch the entire time and they're making so much damn money. It's like, why don't you hire more people? And instead <laughs> yeah. of instead of hiring more people and giving putting out more work and more projects, split the work amongst yeah. those people so that way you don't have to be an endless crunch. So that way people can work it yeah. like a normal job because that's what they're basically doing at this point. They're supporting a game that has a a release schedule that they're trying to keep up with, but if they just hired more people they yeah. could cut that down. Which and and perpetual crunch is something I'm always against. Like yeah. I've talked about that a lot in the past where EA'll do that where oh you just finished with this game, we just crunched for 3 months. Now we got to move everyone over to this project cuz it's got to launch in 3 months. And then that person just went from 3 months of crunch to 3 months of crunch on a different game, then they crunch on another game after that and it's almost like yearly cycles of crunch. That's a totally different story. Yeah. I mean, that's just bad management because you should you should have like alternating schedules of who's being put in the crunch mode like that that that's not good. You're wearing your people out. Now, you could argue this is really good for the indie market because how many people leave these jobs and form their own studios and make great little indie titles that we all love and enjoy? Yeah. So the article goes on to say, Crunch culture at Naughty Dog isn't a secret. The studio is open about this mentality in interviews with new hires, and its managers deliberately seek out perfectionists in art, design, engineering, and all other disciplines that make games happen. The type of people Naughty Dog want to hire are the type of people who will willingly stay late at the office in order to make their games better. The type of people who would take the time to make sacks of grain deflate when you shoot them. At Naughty Dog, nobody asks the developers to crunch. Nobody has to ask. They'll be there anyway. So 
I read that and all I think to myself is, what are we even talking about then? Because how can you fault the company that's open and honest about it and says, look, we have a high expectation. We have a higher expectation than most. I don't have the numbers, but I would assume if you ha oftentimes when you have a higher expectation, you have to have a higher pay rate to go along with that. Yeah. Obviously, um, now to be fair, like GameStop, remember when we'd have a thousand applications in the drawer, you oftentimes don't have to pay people super well if you feel like you've always got someone in your back pocket. Like you've, you've got a thousand applications. You don't need to fight to keep your current employees. That's a mentality that some people have. I personally don't. I, I think you pay your good people to keep them and you keep the good people happy. But I see that and I say, I don't, I mean, they basically tell you in the interview that this is what our expectations are, is that you're the type of person that would stay late every night to get the job done because you care about the game being perfect. I don't see a problem with that. And, and, and I say that as someone who myself, I have a very strong work ethic. I've always been kind of a perfectionist. I'm always pushing to make my store and to make my business better. I'm not resting on my laurels ever. And so I can respect that. I respect that a lot. This, this mentality of we're not going to push out some crap, you know, yeah. we're not going to no man sky this thing and push it out with unfulfilled promises. You know, we're not going to Peter Molyneux this thing out the door and not have anything that we said was in the game in there. You know, they, and they're, and they're constantly in the middle of making the game. People are making things better. And that's part of the problem. And they go into it in this article about how there's not really a lot of, uh, I think they call them like, like managers or producers in the, in the idea where a lot of the people, like the art people are working on stuff of their own. They don't have an overhead boss. They're kind of like all doing their own thing and they know what they're supposed to do and they get it done. And I'm not saying every job is perfect. I'm certainly not saying that they don't have um, broken links in their chain of command. Yeah. They clearly do if they're having delays and pushbacks. And honestly, I don't know what the deal was with this last pushback. It was a very weird delay. Something big must have happened because you don't announce a game's coming out in a month and then a week or two later, push it back four months. That does not happen. And I, I don't know, like something big happened from when they made that announcement, something happened. And I doubt it was something as simple as someone thought, well, we could squeeze in a cool feature. They found something that was never going to be fixed in time. I'm guessing it was some sort of game breaking bug. Had to be. Yeah. And I would agree. Something that was easily replicated, but I'm, not I'm, easily I'm fixed. I'm curious if it had something to do with animation where they were working on something and then it broke a whole chain of events in the game, not just one thing that they were tweaking or fixing. Um, but anyway, again, every time I do one of these, I always get people who get kind of salty with me and, and they, they're like, you know, like they call me, I get called a bootlicker a lot, John. So a bootlicker <laughs> is someone who, uh, who apparently licks the boots of corporations and, and, uh, you know, and like you're, you're, if you love corporations and you, and you, and you hate workers, then you're a bootlicker, which I, okay. Okay. That's not me. I don't know what else to say. Like I had a corporate job for over a decade. I left it to open my own business where I strive and push very hard every single day to make my employees not feel like a corporate, you know, a corporate environment. And is, I work like very hard at that. Was the guy that called you the bootlegger? Was he the guy that no longer is uh, following you on Twitter and no, I don't think subscribed? Because so. if so, it, problem solved. Yeah, no, I, I don't think <laughs> that so. Guy's gone. I, I don't think it was even a subscriber. I think it was just someone who caught the video. Like oh, okay. it's weird on YouTube. Like a lot of people watch the videos that aren't subscribed. And if they like you, they'll subscribe. But most of the time, if they leave a bad comment, I'm just going to assume they didn't subscribe <laughs> and maybe they do still. Um, so those are kind of my thoughts on this. And I guess lastly, my thought is Jason Schreier. I, I do not always complain about him. In fact, I've given him credit where credit is due. Where I think he's busted open great stories on things that deserved attention. But lately I feel like every time he comes out with one of these, he gets this kind of smug attitude. Like he's the savior. Right. And so I look at this and I, and, and let's get back to the title of the article. 
how much longer can this approach last? Well, it's been going like this for 30 years. So I'm going to assume it's going to keep going like this until something fundamentally changes in how game development is done. The relationship between publisher and developer, if that, if that doesn't change, I don't see how this ever changes. Um, however, does it need to change? You know, and, and I guess if people are being taken advantage of, and the first thing I'll say is because oftentimes in these articles, now I will admit in this one he did not do it, but oftentimes in these articles, they squeeze in statistics about this employee is a contract worker, doesn't get paid benefits, and is expected to work all this overtime, and then doesn't get bonuses when the game ships. Well, what they're talking about is they're talking about QA. And I'll be the first one to say QA is a grossly over-manipulated, underpaid, underappreciated aspect of video game development. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that no ifs, ands, or buts, they are pushed. They're oftentimes hired because it's a different company that hires these people, and then Activision, Sony, they'll hire these QA companies, and that's why they're contractors. They don't get the benefit of working at these great companies. Now, yeah, you could say, hey, I QA'd Last of Us 2. I mean, that should get you in the door internally somewhere if that's what you wish, yeah. or at another company, but it seems like there aren't a lot of these companies, though, either. And so the issue I have is that oftentimes people say, like they read this, right? And they go, crunch, people have to work all these extra hours. I don't like it. Okay, fair enough. How do you propose we solve this dilemma? Unionize. And that's all they ever say is unionize. And I say, okay, what is it? What is How do you plan to unionize and, and who's going to unionize? Nothing. Crickets. They never have a plan. They just say well, the answer is unionizing. That doesn't, that's not an answer. You know, you, like, that's not a, 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 an approach all, especially in a creative industry. Because I'll tell you right now, there's going to be people at the top who've been doing this for many years. They don't want to unionize. They've, yeah. they've, they've worked and they've earned up their way a certain amount. Now, I'm not saying that that means we shouldn't just because there's some guy at the top who wants to keep his top cash. But it's not as simple as just saying that's what I want. Because let's go beyond that. Let's say, so what solutions are there out there to fix this problem? And, and I'll be honest, I don't know. If I knew, I'd be like shouting to the heavens, like, here's my pr- proposition to fix everything. Well, I don't have it. It's also like unionizing with the video game uh video game development is different than unionizing with like the post office or the post office and and i'm a pro-union guy like i don't mind saying here i'm a pro-union guy like i'm in the union at the post office i i prior to being with the post office i'd never been in a union and i like it um it feels good to know that somebody's got your back like like a safeguard if, right. if something some bs comes up you know yeah. like a GameStop where if a customer lies and said you swore in front of them and you get fired you're like i didn't but okay right yeah. the and so like that if that were to happen at the post office i have backup but the post office is one type of job you're working for one company essentially and so if somebody's getting railroaded in a in a fashion like it makes sense to potentially strike because one company is doing one bad thing. Whereas if you're unionizing the video game industry, like do you strike because something is bad, something bad is happening at Activision when you are just fine right. at, um, at like Square Enix where you're happy? Yeah. Like, do you, yep. do you, upend the entire industry and strike for six months for somebody that yeah that you don't know and and worry about crossing picket line like it's yeah and ultimately unionizing in the video game industry would be similar to like the movie industry 
Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. So then imagine that you want to go get hired as an animator at Naughty Dog. Well, you know, they have to agree to hire people from your union. And so if you don't get everyone, every animator in the world in that union, then you might be missing out on opportunities because of your connection with that. And again, that's not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's a realistic possibility. Well, and we had that big uh, writer strike years ago that uh, derailed TV and movies for like yeah, six like, months. Yeah, it was a good six months to a year where like all those shows got pushed and like Heroes Season 2 came out and you know got ruined and, yeah and, and there all was all this terrible tv yeah, there were shows that died and like because yeah. of that writer strike there was movies that that failed to so, get yeah, made that's a great question so let's say last of us is a year from coming out and there's an animator strike so it doesn't come out it gets canceled gets delayed two years like you know i don't know and again i i don't want a, workers to be abused it's not it's not a good healthy environment you don't get your best work out of people if you don't take care of them you know, uh, but man, it, I just, I feel like everyone is just instantly like, woe is me, you know, like, like we got all the developers all oh, like they, they almost like they're like somehow, you know, malnourished children in, in Asia or something like, like, like they're working in a sweatshop for a dollar a day making Nikes, you yeah. know, it's not like that. These people are paid like professionals. They can choose to go anywhere they want. Well, not anywhere, but you know what I mean? Like they have their choice of jobs. And they are working their way up the ladder. If you put in a really hard two years at Naughty Dog, you don't think you have your pick of the litter anywhere else you want to go? I'm not buying that. Yeah, that, you know? that article talked about how 70% of the top talent at Naughty Dog has left. And that was my thought was, it's like, all right, they're, when they said 70%, they were talking about, like, it was, like, of 20 people. <laughs> right. So, so they're talking about, like, 14 of 20 people left and so that that was um yeah so 20 non-lead designers so one one major consequence of the culture has been attrition of the 20 non-lead designers 14 are no longer with the studio since uncharted 4 so yes you could argue that 14 of the non-leaders have left to move on to other things i'm willing to bet they probably went on to promotions most likely because having naughty dog on your resume probably isn't a bad thing yeah so they probably are our lead somewhere else. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and I guess that's, I don't know. And, and yeah, like burnout's a real thing. And burnout's been a real thing for programmers for years, especially in games. But it also is just, you know, it's it's a tough business. Yeah. My brother's a programmer. Dude makes bank. Let me tell you, they don't want to burn out programmers. They know the burnout's high. They compensate you for that. He's compensated for that. And you know what? If he doesn't like it, he can go somewhere else and be a programmer. Is that Joe that's doing that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, he's he, he did really well for himself. Like, I'm, I'm impressed at, at, like, how he was able to, uh, you know, go to school for that and, and come out and, and, and be in a position that's wanted. So, again, I, I don't know. I, I, I guarantee someone's going to comment on this. We're going to get a ton of thumbs down and people just kind of, like, bash me for my opinion on this. But I just feel like they're not some special needing protective species, this rare game developer you know they're employees they're workers they work hard they work at a place that has high expectations they sign on for that when they sign up and that's what they get i mean they work at a place that has high expectations and then they get sick of having to work extra to meet those high expectations i don't yeah, high expectations this, don't come easy they're they're telling you during the interview what to expect you really can't can't fault them too much for it yeah i i 100 agree and, and so I'm not mad at Schreier for these articles. I just wish that – because he didn't really 
pick a side in the article. It's really fair, I think. Except on Twitter then, you know, he gets some people who make the arguments I'm making and he just like, you know, acts like, you know, he's the white knight. He's like white knighting the game developers, you know, like he's their savior, like, oh, look at me. And I just, he makes it about him, especially on Twitter when he's sharing the stories. That's that's what I really bugs me about the whole thing. I don't know. And, and again, it's whatever, man, it's clicks and views, you know, and I, and I want the industry, like, what do I say? I don't, I don't want to go away. I want to get better. I would love for these big publishers to find a way to not burn out their people, but either you contract work out or you have in-house people, either way, the job has to get done. I don't know. There's, there's no other way around it. I, and well, if you look at the movie industry as well, when you come, if you're comparing things, the movie industry is killing the visual effects industry by in, in a similar fashion. They're, they're expecting more of them. They're burning them out and they're not even reaping the benefits of of movies doing well. Yeah. The half of the uh, video or visual effects companies for movies have gone out of business in the last ten years. Yeah, I have I have noticed that, the, which, is, which is weird. So the visual effects house that won the Oscar last year, it was either last year or the year before, they accepted their Oscar, but they were out of business. Yeah, like they went up and received their award, but they were done because they're not giving them a part of the proceeds of the the finished product and they're they're just churning and burning these companies yeah. the sonic the guys that did the sonic the hedgehog movie they fixed that movie and then their reward for it was they got shut down before yeah. the damn thing even comes out yeah it's like that sucks and that's unsustainable so you know is that arguably the same as the game design relationship and if it is then you're right. We have to do something. Yeah. And, and I don't want the game design studios to go away. And if there's a better way of doing this, like I'm all for it. If there's a way where games can still come out, products get done on time and the quality of the product is still good. I'm all for that. You know, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite liberal when it comes to these things. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not a corporate guy first, but even though I'm going to get those accusations all throughout this video, if they can delay a game, and have a realistic launch date that doesn't and say we're not going to crunch but this is the one that's coming out i'd be fine with that yeah like the, like you said nintendo delaying animal crossing i'm fine with pushing back a release date if you're getting a finished product that runs well yeah. if and that happened yeah <laughs> and if if you said if you said oh. we we're gonna do this because we don't want crunch cool that's great i'm fine with it yep and i think most people would be but that's also part of it too right they want to reveal a game four years before it's out yep then they keep we keep waiting and we're waiting and we're excited and they get us excited because we need to be excited to buy their product but then we're excited and then they don't know what to do with our excitement and we don't know how to channel our excitement when we become disappointed by like an announcement of a delay or something and so then they kick out the 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 delay and we're like oh this sucks i want it now but of course we want it you've just spent the last two years getting us to want it yeah hyping us up marketing it to us so of course we're gonna want it it just it's bonkers to me All right, so we have one more story we're going to talk about, and then, John, we got our pickup piles of the week, our game of the week, and we're out of here, man. That's another one in the bags. So let me close this window out, close this window out, and uh, here we go. So next up on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about the reveal of the Xbox Series X specs and the PlayStation 5 specs. Originally, we were just going to talk about 
the Xbox One. They had announced what that what was inside the box. Finally, they had kind of a cool teardown. They ripped it apart, showed us things like the what the heatsink looks like. I mean, you know, weird stuff you weren't expecting, but cool stuff all the same. And and then uh, on Tuesday, I think they just announced, hey, by the way, Sony, we're doing a conference on Wednesday. We're going to reveal all the hardware stuff. You're like, okay, the road to PlayStation. Yeah. So so it became uh, it went from being a talk about the Xbox to being a talk about Xbox, PlayStation, and the comparing of the two. And I have my sheet here. I left mine in the car. Sheet. You left yours in the car, and, and by your own account, it was too cold to go out and get it. He chastised for me for I it did. already. I did, because you took it from me and said, look it up on Twitter, so I gave but it back. He's, I don't have anything <laughs> sitting in front of me. I have my damn phone, and that's it. Sounds he's good. got a giant, lovely Dell computer that's, that he can look at. That's sitting on an Oculus box. I can a, only see this much of his eyes. We just, pe- <laughs> Yeah, can... we're kind of like the reverse Batman. You can't see each other's mouths. Well, you can actually probably see me on the damn computer, I can't can, you? I can. Yeah. I, oh, I'm checking in on you. <laughs> So, okay, so we're going to talk about this, then we'll move on to our pickup pile of the week, our game of the week, and we'll get going. So um, I'm going to queue it up. Here we go. So next up on the podcast today, like I said, we're talking Xbox and PlayStation 5 specs, and we're going to talk a little bit of comparison about the two. But first, I have a really important question for you, John. So I've got my stat sheet here. I'm going to read this, okay? Xbox Series X. You ready for this? <clears throat> okay. Eight cores at 3.8 gigahertz. 12 teraflops, 52 CUs at 1.825 gigahertz, custom RDNA 2. 16 gigs of DDR6 RAM. 10 gigabytes that run at 560 gigabytes per second. 6 gigabytes at 336 gigabytes per second. A terabyte custom NVMe solid state drive. 1 terabyte expansion card, identical performance to internal storage. USB 3.2 external hard drive storage. And a 4K UHD Blu-ray drive. John, my question to you is, are you erect? (laughs) You know, you didn't see that coming. I didn't, but if you wouldn't have said it, I was going to make a dick joke. I know. I I had to beat you to it. Damn it. You beat my my dick. So here's my real question. Here's my real question. Do you... Now, you're an Xbox fan. Sorry, let me preface before I ask this question. Yes. You are an Xbox fan. Yes. How many Xbox and Xbox 360 games do you think you own? Not counting one. Well, you count one. What do you think? Uh, actually, I did it when when that one guy was like, oh, you guys are pro PlayStation. Um, I actually counted it up, and I have, I, at this point, I have over 2,000 Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One games. Uh, okay. And that does not count digital that is just physical discs so physical discs you have over 2000 2000 yes. games okay do you give a rat's ass about any of these numbers <laughs> like when you see this do you get excited at all no okay i don't care uh i'm 15 years ago yes okay i would have had a i would have been like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> this number for xbox is better than this number for playstation okay but, yes. hey, but hey, you grew up a little bit. Yes. As a gamer, you grew up. I did. So let me tell you this. I actually thought when the PlayStation 5 was revealed today that it was going to be more teraflops than the Xbox One. Yeah. I thought that. I thought that it was going to somehow be worked around and they were going to show something. Did you think that as Mark Cerny was kind of making excuses while he was no, talking? long before that. <laughs> uh, and, and so I thought, though, okay, so if PlayStation announces that they're 13 teraflops and the Xbox is 12, I asked myself, like, would you care? 
And I, I, I would not, I do not care about these numbers at all. And so I had to preface that so that people know I don't, it's not that I don't care because the Xbox one technically has 1.72 teraflops more than the PS4, which by the way, what does that even mean? Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So anyway, that's my thought is I didn't care who was higher. I don't care anyway. I think these numbers are stupid. Um, I think comparing numbers to numbers is totally stupid. So we're going to do it. All right. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. I think I think the the people that this is really blowing the mind of are the the people that like build their own PCs and and like want the best tech. Like yeah. those would be the kind of people that would be like, "Oh my god, this amount of teraflops versus this amount of teraflops. That's amazing. Yeah. But and those people also are looking at these specs probably and being like, ah, oh, that's all garbage. My PC is way better well, than both of those. PC people are looking at these specs and going, what's this thing going to cost? $700. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they, they know the, the price of these parts. So I look at this and I'll admit I'm a techie guy as far as I love having technology. I don't know everything about everything on this list. So I'm not going right. to sit here and pretend that I know what the hell it means, but I found some interesting things in here when we compare it. So we are going to talk about it and we're going to talk about it as two people that don't know what the hell we're talking about. Sweet. And, uh, and we're just going to, but I'm going to make some, some observations I had as, as someone who's a casual tech person looking at these numbers. Okay. There's a couple things that I'm going to focus on that are like, as far as what, what I saw in Sony's conference. I watched a lot more of Sony stuff than I did of Microsoft stuff just because I, well, there wasn't really a video for Microsoft. Yeah. They just released a news story on Twitter. Well, they had a digital found, I think digital foundry dove into it. Um, I just didn't have time to watch digital foundries thing. But while I was delivering the mail this morning, I had my phone strapped to my chest and I was listening to the, uh, Oh, the soothing voice of of Dana Dana Carvey. Carvey. (laughs) Yeah. He looks good. He's old. Half the listeners will not get that reference. I don't think. Um, okay, so before we, we compare, though, let's talk a little bit about that that video. Um, easily, for me, top 10 cringiest video game announcements I've ever seen. <laughs> the I understand why they did it, right? So it was originally meant for GDC, which got canceled. Yep. So I have a feeling they designed it this way, as in, hey, we're going to show it at some sort of teleconference GDC, right? Where we're all just going to teleconference in and we'll, we'll play this presentation and it'll look like a GDC talk where I'm on stage and there's a laptop. Then somebody at Sony decided, let's just use this when we make the announcement to the public. And I'm going to argue that I think it was a bad idea. I think they had some really great information there that was delivered in a way that wasn't great for the average consumer. I think that's fair to say. I know a lot more about Mark Cerny's ear canal than I ever thought I would. It, it was just some weird <laughs> stuff. And so, so first of all, if you didn't watch it, um, Mark Cerny comes out to an obvious green screen background. There's a podium and a Sony Vio computer, which I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that was real. The podium they had a and Vio the Vio computer. Yeah, the Vio. They don't even Sony make Vio, Vio computers Vio, anymore. Dude, they don't, don't own Vio anymore. It's so stupid so they have a bio and then they basically had black shadowy people standing in front of the stage like mystery science theater 3000 <laughs> oh, i suppose you didn't watch it either i did you? i had it um i couldn't watch it because i was i oh was walking God. and delivering the mail it's glorious. so like the only time i was looking at it was like if i got in the truck and i was like sorting stuff out okay so I, you did like i looked down a little bit okay. but i nothing in detail i just oh. saw i just saw that like him and then like it, whatever like on the screen next to him so like okay so yeah so it's as closest as i've been to a college lecture in 18 years okay (laughs) it was it was just like he's sitting up there and he's talking and it is interesting i love this stuff i love 
that it wasn't just boom explosions and trailer, you know, like video game trailers with explosions and marketing speak. Like it wasn't that. It was a little bit of that, but it wasn't all that. But it was very cringy, man. It was rough. It was not meant for consumer consumption. Yeah. And they delivered it to the consumer. That's a mistake in my in my book. They should have taken that information, released it as a sheet, kind of like Microsoft did, and then did something a little flashier. And I hate to admit that because that goes against what I would like, but just in the sense of a positive experience. Because, I don't know if you saw the numbers, I was watching it live, 630,000 people watching Damn. this thing live on YouTube. And that's crazy. That's crazy that many people backed up for it. And you know what? Unfortunately, it's a lot of people that were really bored with it. <laughs> and, and I hate to say that because it's, it is an interesting conversation about the tech and, and Cerny's fine. I, I think Mark Cerny's fine. I just, he was very, um, he, he looked like a mix between Bill Gates and Dana Carvey. Like that's what he was looking like. And he was excited and I was happy to hear the information from him who is the actual lead architect on the PS4 and PS5. Like it's nice to hear these things from him and not from the marketing genius or the marketing hype man, you know? But now I'm, I'm looking at it going, but that hype man, there's a reason why those people exist. And that's for the average consumer that does not want content delivered to them like this. Yeah. And, and, and it was just, I think it was, a, it was a miss. I really believe that. And I say it as somebody who prefers the PlayStation brand over the Xbox brand. It was, a, it was a whiff of information. You know, as much as it was not as hyped, the Xbox Series X just had, it was just a nice announcement. And it was cool to, to dig into it. I think they should have showed off the console. I think they should have showed off. The I still controller. don't think they have it finalized yet. You don't. What? It's. I also think the PlayStation Five is not coming out this year. You, I'm almost positive at this okay. point. Yep. I'm, I'm um, really I was, feeling it. I was going to bring that up because I I do feel like the the whole COVID nineteen stuff has to be hitting right. supply is, chains on a number of things. Which is incredible though because Microsoft doubled down and said the Xbox Series X is for sure coming holiday. They updated their website to say coming holiday 2020. They did accidentally put up Thanksgiving. So they said Thanksgiving, and then they changed it to holiday. Yep. But even still, holiday 2020, they didn't change it to just holiday yeah. season you know, or anything like that. So let's run through some of the numbers. And again, this is a lot of jargon that doesn't really mean anything. So the CPU. The PS5 has eight Zen 2 cores that are at 3.5 gigahertz with a variable frequency. The Xbox Series X has eight cores at 3.8 gigahertz so roughly the same thing we're not we're uh, not sure if they're zen cores or not yeah i don't know like <laughs> this this sheet didn't have it on there you know like i said i'm not a tech guy uh as far as numbers tech guy the playstation 5 this is the big news right this is what everyone's gonna be talking about for the until they reveal more information the xbox series x gpu runs at 12 teraflops the ps5 10.28 the ps5's crappier man right there it's, in the, it's on I, the paper <laughs> i did find it funny that when when mark cerny was talking he's like you can't compare yes. you can't just compare uh teraflops yeah, to terra like yeah. there, there's more nuance yeah. and it's like which is which is accurate though like that's an accurate statement it but is, i agree but i do think it's yes. reactionary to what microsoft he's announced. lightening the blow yes he, he's he's lighting yeah he's he's lightening the the blow Memory, six, they each have 16 gigabytes of DDR6. The memory bandwidth, the PS5 runs at 448 gigabytes per second. Now, this I found interesting. Again, I don't know what this means. I'm fully admitting this, so I'm sorry. Anybody listening wants it. But here, I mean, I do understand what it means. It's the speed at which the, the RAM get, like, it can be accessed. Like, I get that. Yep. But, like, here's what's interesting about this. The Xbox Series X has 10 gigabytes of the 16 are at 560 gigabytes per second, so higher than the PlayStation 5. 
but six gigabytes of it runs at 336 gigabytes per second, which is lower than the PS5. So it's almost half and half for it running higher than and lower than, which actually kind of makes more sense, to be honest, because you're not going to be using all your RAM all the time to need the the max channel. So that uh, that six is probably going to be used for the uh, UI of the console itself. Sure. Like maybe running background, you mean? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Sure, possibly. Uh, internal storage of PS5, 825 gigabytes of a custom SSD. And then Xbox has a one terabyte custom N- NVMe solid state. So I don't know why Sony said 825 gigabyte. Do you think that's what it's going to be after the one terabyte store? Like, is it a one terabyte where they've used 175 reserved for future updates and patches and stuff like that? Because if you buy like a 500 gigabyte PS4, you get like 420 gigabytes. I don't it. think that's what it is. No. I think that they... Because why wouldn't they I just say one terabyte? I think that's 825. Then? Okay. Um, because they they never talk about like the space that's available after the, the UI or the... Um, the system that's true they've never said it before why would they start yeah. now okay um i i found it funny that they they were like oh we we did a lot of research into like what gamers are playing how much space they're using on their playstation 4s and it's like bull you got a good deal yeah. on 825 <laughs> yeah gigabytes that's what a, it a is warehouse incorrectly made 825 <laughs> gigabyte version instead of one terabytes and they sent them to you on the cheap yes yeah. yes uh, expandable storage, the PlayStation 5 NVMe SSD slot, which apparently not all are going to be compatible with the way they, the speeds they run at. Um, so we're at, but that was also similar to the PS3. It couldn't use certain speed hard drives either. It was incompatible with certain speeds. They, they made a lot of, or he, he talked a lot about the hard drive and how like it's got to fit in the bay and right. it's got to be the right speed and yeah. that they will give you recommendations like, yeah. on the hard drive once But once the important out. thing is it's not proprietary. Sony seemingly has learned their lesson with the Vita, no proprietary memory cards. I do like that a lot about it. Um, I'm surprised that they don't have a recommended solution like it doesn't seem like they'll have a recommended hard drive solution at yeah. launch. Yeah. Like you'd think that they'd be working with like Seagate and uh, Western Digital. They might to have still, but you're right. They didn't announce that here. Yeah. 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 Well, like Microsoft when they when they showed off their proprietary little hard drive or expansion expansion yeah. memory SSD, it was a Seagate branded. Right. They SSD. actually they made a deal with Seagate. Yeah. Yeah. Is, Which, it, is it only Seagate drives? I don't. Th- well. I don't know, I guess. I don't know that yet. But it seems like... And, and people thought that the Xbox One memory was proprietary, which technically it is, but it's a casing. So, okay. like, you could buy... My understanding is you could buy an NVMe SSD and put it into whatever casing fits that slot, and you'd be able to plug it in. Much like okay. the Xbox 360 when you put in a hard drive into the Slim. Yep. That was just a 2.5-inch SATA drive. Yeah. That you put into a plastic shell and then plugged in like a video game cartridge. So yep. it, it's the, so it's I think it's going to be similar to that. If if just based on the info we have. I and have if, I have a lot of gripes about that Xbox. Uh so uh as far as uh hard drive things go, I am far more positive on the PlayStation side as far as, as the well. hard drive solution um because what it seems like is that Microsoft is going to have so they have 1 terabyte internal and then it sounds like it's going to be one terabyte that you can plug in for current gen Xbox right. Series X games. I have two Xbox or I have two hard drives plugged into my Xbox One X 
with uh, one has got five terabytes and the other one's got four terabytes and I have 640 games installed on my system. Oh my God, man. So, like, with games getting bigger, having only two terabytes available for somebody like me is going to drive me nuts. Sure. So here, here's their... <coughs> they, they do have USB 3.2 external hard drive support. Yes. However, and you know this, I'm sure, but yes. for the listeners that don't, you can't run Series X games off of the external drive. Right now, if you put an external drive in your Xbox One or your PS4, you install games right to it, you run games right off of it. Yep. No problem. Um, there might be some slower load times. I don't even know if that's a thing. I've never... Nope. Okay. Load's no, just perfect. fine. Good. Uh, I've never used... I don't have an external on my PS4. I just uninstall games. I don't care. <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> uh, I typically only play games once, though, too. Like, I don't go back for DLC. I don't... Rarely do I play a game more than once. See, I play a game for about 15 minutes, and then I move on yeah, to something else. And then eight months later, I'll be like, I'm going to actually <laughs> play mo- 15 more minutes <laughs> yeah. of that game. So um, with the Series X, you will be able to save games to that external hard drive. But to play them, you have to transfer them to the internal or to the expansion slot, to the SSD. I'm just hoping that's quick. It seems like it will be. Um, but again, it depends on the size of the game. I don't know, but going like 3.2 USB to an internal SSD should be relatively quick. Yeah. You know, it sounds like PlayStation is also going to work that same way where you have to, they're going to allow you to play a PlayStation four games, uh, on an external hard drive. Um, but then if you want to use them and have them take advantage of like the boost mode, and the faster load times, right. you have to move them onto the internal drive. Yeah, which which I think, yeah, I think that'll end up ultimately being what they do because Cerny made such a big deal about how important the SSD is for when they're making the new games. Like, they're, they're designing games differently because of that technology. Yeah. So if that's the case, yeah, then you can't, <laughs> you can't save it to a 3.2, which external, if you, you know, that's not an SSD, basically. Now, I think that the, so he said that, the number that was the number one thing that developers were were beating down his door demand the number one request for the next, he said yep, the next yep. console and i've got to believe they were also doing that with microsoft as well which is why both of these consoles have ssds now because they both have ssds yes playstation's technically is faster but i would imagine that most games are probably going to develop pair or want to have parity between systems right so i don't know that a lot of games are going to use that extra speed that that sony's going to have and they're both so damn fast that i really don't see it being a problem The, the interesting thing that i got from the presentation was that it seems like sony's trying to remove like they're willing to have less gpu and they're willing to do a few things so that they can have less bottlenecks throughout the line so like they could have possibly made put in a better gpu to push the quote the the mythical teraflops higher in number but it seems like what they've done here is they've tried to level that all out they've tried to average out the speeds of everything because it doesn't matter how fast this piece is if this piece is a bottleneck it's a big thing with pcs like how, how what's bottlenecking you you know you've got this much ram you've got this video card you've got all this other stuff but where, where is the bottleneck and you're always searching for it and it feels like Mark Cerny, when des, you know designing the PS5, they said let's 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 not have any bottlenecks. So everything seems to coincide and run together. Again, though, with the speeds we're talking, you're never going to notice. Yeah, 
You know what I'd really like to see? I'd like to see the interfaces install games faster on Xbox One. I'd like it, to, when I put the disc in, to pop up the icon and then maybe start installing right away. And I, I don't know, like, it's just so slow. And I know, like, I know I prefer the PlayStation brand. And I'm the first to say, PlayStation updates, oh my god. Why do you have to do, like, the firmware updates and the game updates have to fully download and then it has to, like, verify? It takes 5 million years. It sucks. PlayStation's updates suck. But the Xbox interface is clunky and slow. And I yep. just feel like you put a game in and it just takes forever. The same game takes not nearly as much time. I The funny thing is I've spent, uh, of the years I went to a GameStop manager conference, I spent so much time at the, the Microsoft booth talking to them about the user interface and fixing the user interface for certain things. Um just because like there were certain certain things that would happen i'd be like what is it doing right now like i i told him i'm like you guys should have more information pop up to tell you what the hell the console's yeah. doing yeah currently doing. why won't yeah. it boot the game i'm trying to start yeah um and sometimes you just like click on it like especially with xbox one you click on like because our our test game is resident evil revelations 2 okay because it's a quick install we pop it in it installs and it'll say ready to start. You start the game. It brings up this background screen of Resident Evil Revelations 2 as like the red bloody barbed wire or whatever. And then it just zaps back to the the home. Yep. And you're like, what the hell is this? What 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 happened? What is going on? It says it was ready to start. I hit I hit the button and it didn't start. And then, yeah, you see it's downloading more stuff in the background. But I'm like, so can I not start it? Because you told me I could start it. Like, it's just confusing. Or the, the teases where, like, it says you, you can quick start the game. But then when you quick start the game, there's like you play it for like a minute yeah. and then there's just a magical wall that you can't go past. Yeah. And it's like, this isn't quick start. And, and there is some... Dead Rising 3 did that yeah. where like you could go like 50 <laughs> feet and it's like you could see the zombies over there, but you can't go beat them yeah. to death because the game's not loaded. We're yet. not loaded there yet. <laughs> and some games are done really well, like the Blizzard stuff. Now you can do World of Warcraft and it'll it'll load like the necessary areas. And then tell you like what areas you can like. It's it's really interesting how it kind of pseudo installs the game piece by piece. Okay. Really, really interesting stuff. So it can be done, and I hope that they work on stuff like that. You know, uh, that's what I care about, and I care about being able to start the game even if there's an update in in progress. Yeah. PlayStation Four lets you do that. Switch lets you do that. Yeah, that is uh, Microsoft that, does not let you. That, do that. does piss me off it's really awful. bad with with Microsoft games because like I'll get home and I'll be like, oh dude, I'm gonna play whatever and like i turn on the system and i click on the game and i'm like son of a bitch i am not playing this for two hours You're like i don't care if i have to go like i have to go into offline mode so it doesn't try to update like, yeah i don't care if it's buggy and crappy for the first night i played i just want to play it it's right. playable it's playable so that's the things i care more about i really do i do like that um I think it's Microsoft that said this, that they're going to start allowing you to pick what modes you want to install. So, like, you could install the campaign or the multiplayer. That makes total sense to yeah. me. Yeah, that makes total so sense like, to me. So, like, I don't play multiplayer almost at all. So, if I can not install that multiplayer save so that way I can the, get yeah. right to it's the well, campaign. And save half the hard drive space. Right. Yeah. It's like, that would be great. I would love that. Well, and like I said, I, I don't consider myself an expert on the numbers at all, but this was a casual person. I'm a casual numbers guy. And I look at this stuff, and I find some interesting things in here. But how this stuff doesn't really matter, John. It does. It really doesn't matter. It's it's who's going to have the best gameplay experience. And and I don't. And that's not a subtle dig at, at 
Microsoft's last generation or current generation of lack of first party software. It's just, it is what it is like the best way to play. That's, that's what ultimately is going to make for the best system in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, and now with having a really nice PC, not having to, I mean, I could go without probably having an Xbox series X at all. I still will get one because I buy them all. And of course, even if I have no use for it, my X is sitting there. Um, now currently not being played. Do you, do you buy collector's edition consoles? Like, do you buy, like, the special design PS4s consoles? I had been, but I'm not uh, not doing that anymore. Now, it, I was going to say, if you are going to buy an Xbox One X or the Xbox Series X, I'd say hold out for a collector's edition console because the flat front of that system could be really cool. Yeah. Like, some companies could put some really cool I'm stuff. Just, There's just, a lot of real estate I'm gonna there. I'm going to make vinyl stickers and make it look like the Stones from Fifth Element. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, okay, so that's numbers. That's all we're going to talk about. And you know what? These numbers don't mean anything. Who cares? Numbers don't mean anything. That was pretty cool, actually. The numbers don't mean anything. Here's one thing I'm going to tell you about. Obviously, we talked about, I thought it was a little cringy. I didn't like the presentation overall. I think yep. it was a bad consumer presentation. Let's talk about backwards compatibility for the PS5. Well, not, I, I also not, have some questions Not very for pleased. You. Not so. very pleased with it. But, uh, but okay, go ahead. Hit me with it. Um, so... What feature do you feel like will not come to fruition that was mentioned? That he mentioned? Yes. Well, they've already said that the Tempest audio engine is over time going to be more introduced with different devices. They said they feel pretty confident about it right now with headphones, and they're working on how to properly get it working with a sound bar and with stereo televisions. Um, (laughs) I thought it was hilarious when he said, you can send a picture of your ear to Sony and we will yeah. custom design your audio yeah. profile that you can that, download. That, that is, is never going to happen. And, and we shouldn't want it to happen. <laughs> That's insane. Like, you think, so you think Cerny's an ear guy? You think he's an ear fetish guy? <laughs> yeah. He's just like, sitting back like, he oh, does have, have some millions, nice lobes, <laughs> millions of ears. I could see them all. And he's like looking the picture. Like, well, like, do you remember back disgusting. when, when PS three was being announced? Um, they talked about having two HDMI ports on the back of it and that you were going to be able to uh, output to two 16 by nine screens. For what was that for? Sorry. For PlayStation 3. Okay. So you're going to be able to output to two 16 by nine screens together for an ultra wide screen image. Wow. And they talked about like, like Gran Turismo and stuff. And it was like, one that's never going to happen. That would use it too. And be two, there's going to be a giant bezel line from two TVs directly down the middle. That's insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, as as far as I mean, that's really the only thing I see not coming to fruition. Yeah. And then of course my gripe, which is the full backwards compatibility. Yeah. Um, so they announced backwards compatibility, uh, which. Now, we don't know all the details yet, so there could still be more announcements. They could still say something. I talked about that jokingly. The conspiracy theory side was they showed Dead Space, which is a PS3 game. They Did talked they about show it, it or they just talked about it? Well, they talked it. about it when, okay, they, yeah. when they talked about the audio in uh, the 3D audio and the Tempest audio. Yeah, he brought up Dead Space, and I got hard, and all of a sudden he's, he's just like, oh, I'm just using it as a reference. It's like, you dick. Yeah, but then he also made a reference to Jack 2, which is a PS2 game, which also is on PS4 now, but yep. is a PS2 game. And they talked about the level design, how it loads what part of the level you're looking at. You know, field of view loading or whatever. Yeah, which, when he was talking about, like, how having, like, long corridors and stuff, I immediately thought of uh, Star Wars. Um, uh, what the hell is the newest Star Wars game? 
Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah. I immediately thought of Fallen Order because uh, there's parts in the game where you have to, like, like sidle through little cracks in the wall. Yep. and the, Like, they do a really good job of not making you think about it for the Correct. most part by having the little robot guy, like, do fun stuff. But it's just, like, that's totally a loading screen. Totally a loading screen. Same thing with um, Dark Souls does that with big doors. Like, you open, open this door and it's like... And you're yep. slowly pushing on this big door. Like, that's absolutely... Or, or you're waiting. There's one area in Dark Souls 2 where you, like, turn a crank and it's it, like, opens one well door and closes another. So you're waiting and that's loading the next area. That's the trigger for that. I'm trying to think of where that is. It's, it's right when you leave Majula and you're on your way down okay. to... Um, I think it's when you're actually on your way to Dranglick. Oh! I, I know you're talking about. Um, yep. But then there's also... Uh, I th- and then there's the way where you go to Hyde's Tower of Flame. But uh, yeah, it's just it's it, it's neat, and I like seeing. I like when a designer developer pulls back the curtain a little bit and kind of shows you the tricks. You know, um, I thought it was interesting when when he mentioned that in Spider Man uh, on PS4 that they put the mailboxes in 400 different places. Yeah. So that way, when the when the program was searching to find that item that they could find it in a ton of different places so that yeah, way they like, weren't like seeking it was basically all over the place. duplicate data which is yeah. what he's arguing about with the ssd technology as well as that it's going to cut down because you don't have you know it'll cut down on they're saying it'll cut down on install size of games because you won't have all this duplicate assets as a way to speed up load times i'm wondering if that's actually going to happen though because uh, games are gigantic now. Well, when, and, and if they start doing 4K textures on everything, then it's just going to increase the size. So yeah. it's it's not going to get smaller, but it's not going to exponentially blow your you know blow your hard drive out either. Yeah, when I don't know about you, but when I install a game and it's only like five gigs now, it's like holy crap, it's tiny. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's only five gigs. What's wrong with it? Yeah. <laughs> so why, how much did I pay for this game? It's only five gigs. Um, but I want to get back to backwards compatibility because backwards compatibility is a big deal to me. Yep. It, it is a system seller to me. Now, I've been telling people for the last six months because the rumors came out that it was going to play PS1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 games and blah, blah, blah. I've been telling everybody, look, check your expectations. That's not going to happen. In a perfect world, I'll love it if it happens, but my realistic attitude says it's just going to play PS4 because they'd already said it's going to play PS4 games. Yeah. So Cerny starts talking about backwards compatibility, and he says, by launch, the top 100 played PS4 games should all be fully backwards compatible. <laughs> so that's every year of FIFA and every Call of Duty game. Yeah. That's at least 30 yeah. of the games. And, and don't get me wrong, 100 <laughs> games is good. But what is... I really thought the PS5 was going to be more of the same. And and I'm wrong, and I have to admit I was wrong when I guessed this, but I thought the PS5 was literally going to be a PS4 Pro 2. I really thought that. Just, just juice the power even more. It should run everything it can already run fine. It run all the new games better. They chose not to do that. They are taking some risks and they're taking, they're changing some things and how things are work. Okay, that's good. But full PS4 backwards compatibility was my minimum expectation. Yeah. Not, not a, not a pipe dream. It was my minimum expectation based on what they told us before. Well, they, they also said that that AMD, they were like, oh, AMD was really like championing and pioneering the efforts for backwards compatibility, and it's like then why didn't you fully accomplish it? Yeah, I mean, and obviously they did a lot of work to try to get their... Essentially, their processor, I'm, I'm assuming, has to somehow... The processor itself is going to self-regulate down to what it thinks a PS4 is. Because they were arguing that the PS5 is too fast for some PS4 games, and yeah. so they don't run properly. Now, that's how it is with Xbox One. They have to... 
make the 360 games and the Xbox One, you know, the 360 and the Xbox games have to be tweaked to work well on the Xbox One. So it's fine. I, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I understand how the technology works. But that was my minimum expectation was that it would play all PS4 and I would have been pleasantly surprised with more. I feel like we got less. Yeah. So I almost feel like they shouldn't have talked about backwards compatibility until they were more confident in what was actually going to be available. Yeah. Right now, my expectation is completely checked and I don't expect even 50 games to be working fully at launch. That's my, that's my expectation now. I had to drastically lower it when I was like, Hey, maybe we'll get PS1, man. Maybe we'll get PS2. Maybe my whole store will become three times as valuable when all the games go backwards <laughs> compatible. But no, it didn't happen. And that's okay. But I don't feel like I pushed that expectation without the knowledge and the information they gave me. And so I think that's what bothers me a little bit about that. So I'm disappointed in the backwards compatibility. And I think I liked when they were talking about it and how he's talked about the solutions for backwards compatibility. They talked about how they built the hardware into previous models and they did all these other things. I liked that a lot. I really thought it was interesting. And so, like, oh, God, they're talking about backwards compatibility. They're talking about PS1, 2, and 3. What are we going with this? And they're like, now with the PS5, it can do the PS4. And then he goes on the diatribe about how, well, not really, not without being tweaked and tested. And, you know, I understand if a game needs a patch to be able to work. But unfortunately, not every game is going to get those patches. Any game right. that isn't profitable anymore isn't going to get a, a patch unless Sony somehow says that they'll take care of it with their internal teams or they'll waive the fee for uploading the patch to you know for the developer to have to upload to give them access to that i don't know and that could happen but now i thought that too but a lot of weird games that i never expected to become backwards compatible with xbox 360 became backwards compatible okay so like uh, for I, example uh i can't pull any up well the top i mean of my i would head, say but... something like mafia 2 do you think Mafia 2 is selling anymore? Like, is 2K making bank on Mafia 2 that they would have a patch release to make it X compatible? Yeah. Well, or and, XB1 compatible? And there were there were cool side effects to the backwards compatibility, too, because, like, Mafia 2 being backwards compatible on Xbox One means that any version of Mafia 2 was backwards compatible. So if you imported, like, the obscure Russian version, right. um, <laughs> you could play it. Um that game's worth about $250, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, it's separate really, trophy list? It's really hard to get games out of Russia, and a lot of them have separate trophies. Hmm. Uh, and so, like, the the Platinum Hits, uh, or Greatest Hits version of Mafia 2 is, like, seriously $200. Um, but, like, I wouldn't count out smaller games being made backwards compatible if they go with what Microsoft did and were like, hey, we really want to make this happen and we want to please the fans um but yeah having it like i'm surprised that they're going with microsoft's like oh crap we need to do backwards compatibility thing the afterthought yep yeah when they saw microsoft do this five years ago or four years ago they saw them have to like put a band-aid on it and, and develop that tech it's like you could have had a solution from the start you you didn't need to be testing yeah. these hundred games now you could have you could have programmed it in, in the first place not not been dealing with it retroactively well and, and i tried to i tried to look and find the article i have it in my head somewhere that i read a statistic at one point that said that sony had internal numbers of usage of backwards compatibility and that it is under 10 percent of customers use the feature mm -hmm. something like that i, I want to say it was under 10 percent. i don't know i couldn't find the article and it was killing me because i was trying to find it for today 
so whatever that number is, they have internal studies that show that people don't really care about backwards compatibility, which is true for multiple generations, I think. But the previous generation, especially when you just launch a console, it's a pretty big deal to get people to adapt to the new hardware. You know, yeah. to be able to say, hey, you can get sell your old one. You can have, you know, you buy the new one. All your old games still work. Everything you can download digitally that you have, you blah, blah, blah. And so eh, I, I'm, I'm disappointed. I, I really, I and I, I agree with you. It feels like it's the tacked on, like, just make it work and it's good enough sort of attitude. As opposed to, think how it would not have been difficult at all to do PS1 and PS2 emulation on that hardware. Yeah. You have, they have the, they built the damn hardware so they can emulate it properly. They're not trying to reverse engineer it. They're not trying to even emulate the hardware. They could write custom software that perfectly emulates that hardware. Or they could have licensed it. <laughs> Just anything. So that, that bums me out. Um, and I know I'm not, I know that's not the main reason for a lot of people. I, I, I get that. But for me, it was a really big, it was a really big letdown when that's all it was. And then it wasn't even just that it plays all PS4. It was, you know, we'll slowly trickle them out over time. So the first 100 is their hope that that'll be ready at launch. And then, I mean, how many PS4 games are there counting indies? Are we up to 3000? Probably. If not more, we have to be. So, okay. So we're at, you know, 10% would be 300. You know, and so then 1% would be 30. So 3, 3% of the libraries available at launch. Sweet. Ugh. I, I hope my math's right on that, by the way. I don't know. It's late. My um, math could be off. You know what they didn't mention was uh, they didn't have any counterpoint to Microsoft's uh, initiative of, like, the buy it once, get it across both consoles thing. Correct. Um, what was that? They're uh, not going to do it. I can tell you already they're not yeah, going to do it. Yeah, I... I think they're going to have. It's too different. Yeah. I think they're going to have separate versions of Last of Us Two for yep. PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five. I agree too, 5. And, that, and that's bad, and that sucks, but it's going to happen. It, well, it's going to make me probably not buy some PlayStation Four games that I might have bought. It depends right away. if they come out at the same time. That's the problem. Like you said, with Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima, if those don't get like a PS Five updated patch or something and they do a legitimate ps5 version that I, that's that's bad play for me i don't like it yeah and i don't like that we paid what was it 50 bucks for last of us on ps4 after it already come out on ps3 i didn't like that either i don't like it i mean i was really hoping that since it was quote-unquote fully backwards compatible which is what we thought i really thought that we were going to be done with this port garbage that we've been dealing with where they port everything over to ps4 because if it's enhanced with ps5 and they can't just do a patch we're gonna start to, are we gonna see resident evil 4 on ps5 too john probably are we gonna see oh my god resident <laughs> evil origins it's capcom final fantasy 10 10 2 2 pack on ps5 <laughs> oh christ i'm done with it i i hate that i hate the port machines i absolutely hate it i don't hate it because trophies and no well, <laughs> fair enough that's actually a really good point for you fair enough and and i i like it for games i want but i want the definitive version of that game yeah i don't want to own every version of that game i'm i have like five copies of resident evil 4 i just want the best version so leave it on ps4 don't make a ps5 version please and i have to buy that and then sell the ps4 version surprisingly i don't own the xbox one version of uh, resident evil 4 yet i have mm. six and five Ugh. which i Ugh. hate but i haven't bought four yet <laughs> and i enjoyed that game um but anyway i guess 
so all in all, I think the Sony conference, the the Sony announcement was 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 weak. And I say that not in not in the sense of didn't have good information. It just wasn't the type of presentation you should offer to the consumer. Uh, and I say like I thought it was interesting, but even halfway through, I was getting kind of like, eh, wish we'd skip ahead. You know, like even even <laughs> I, I mean, I was there. I really was in a fifty in a fifty two minute presentation. I made it halfway through before being like, all right, all right, all right, I get it, I get it, you know. And I wanted a little more sizzle. Like I'm not saying give me the Michael Bay of PlayStation announcements. I'm just I want something. Yeah, give me something. Some video of something running on PS5. Just something. Just a and I, 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 tweeted, I tweeted it out and I made a joke about it. But I was like, my favorite picture was when they showed the the performance of the power, the power consumption. Okay. And they just show an axe at the far end that's that's most consumed power and then there's a bow and arrow and then there's a pipe gun looking thing like from fallout then there's a biohazard symbol and then there's a car near the least consumptive have you seen this picture no well, let me show you this real quick <laughs> this is fantastic oh um so on the topic of backwards compatibility um at least the way microsoft is doing it have you played any of the xbox 360 games that have gotten 4k patches i have not so this is I'm going to show you this. This is basically this is this was a slide talking about power consumption. I don't understand why that I that <laughs> doesn't make any goddamn sense. And you can look at this. Let's see if I can get it to the, you know, that's a terrible look. I I can you can look at it and say okay, is the axe God of War? But it's a regular ass hatchet. It's not like yeah. the axe from the game. And there's a bow and arrow, but it's a regular crappy bow. Is that supposed to be Horizon Zero Dawn? Should, shouldn't the car take up more yeah, the, power? <laughs> the the pipe gun type thing that looks like a Fallout gun, yeah, like a like a pipe rifle or pipe pistol from Fallout. But why would you have a non console exclusive game? The biohazard symbol actually reminds me of the biohazard bundle for Prototype, which isn't accurate. And then there's a car, which could be Gran Turismo, maybe. I don't. Anyway, yeah, the slide stupid doesn't make sense. That slide doesn't make any sense. Um, um, but yeah, so 4K, uh, Sonic Generations on Xbox One X on a 4K TV. I was like, holy, this game looks amazing. Looks good. All right. Yeah, I should like, look up all the X patches that have come out and get those games for I it. I can't believe how good that game looks. It came out like nine years ago. Interesting. Like, I was blown away. Like, I have the, a 4K TV I'm not putting to use at all. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Do you have Sonic Generations? Probably not on X or probably not on 360. Don't have it at all. Oh, I'm not a Sonic guy, really. That game's fantastic because they took all of the uh, all of the good Sonic levels from mm. the 2D games, the decent Sonic levels from the 3D games, and they just made them perfect. All right. Like it's I don't know why they went and they made that great game, and then they're like, all right, let's go back to making the crappy 3D ones. Like generations was perfect. You got interesting. You get the best of both worlds, and that patch makes it look unbelievable. I hmm. I was shocked at how good that nine year old game. And that's just looks. the 4K X patch. Yeah, Xbox right? One okay. X got it. In, in, Xbox One X enhanced or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And normally I don't notice it, but with that like particular game, like the Green Hill Zone, the the first level in almost every Sonic uh, game, like the grass and like you could see like individual blades of grass and like the, the background look just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Like I think because that game's so colorful is why it looks so good too. So oh, like if yeah. Sony, if Sony does that, if they are up resing like PS4 games and if, if you're getting true 4k instead of the checkerboard 4k that right. the PS4 is currently capable of, I could see that being a really good thing. Um, but they got to put the effort forth 
in right. doing that. I'm, it, it seems like Microsoft is just taking care of that stuff for developers. I wonder if they just have a developer section that's dedicated to enhancing certain games. Yeah. Because I wonder if it's almost like they take a game, they run it through some sort of algorithm that they've written to, to do the to do almost like a 4K like upscale. Yeah. Pre pre like rendered upscale and then and then they're like, "Oh yeah, this works." And if it has a lot of issues, they're like, "Well, it's going to need a lot more work." And I wonder if they have multiple stages of like this game's at 20%, this game's at 50%, this game's at 90%. We can get this pushed out and ready to go. I would think it's probably easier to do if depending on what game engine the game's running on. Sure. Like if it's running on Unreal, it's probably relatively easy to to upres the right. The Same game. with the um the Frostbite engine too. Like yeah. that seemed to be that was the big thing about that engine. The whole big important thing was it was scalable. Like you could have it run on PS3 and PS4 all by just flipping some switches. You yeah. know, made development cut down on development time. But um, so anyway, we'll we'll see. I mean, this is the next uh, this is the next battle in the console wars. I roll TM, and uh, and we will see going forward. Ultimately, which system ends up being better, you know, when they come out and have been out for five years and have games to play. It's that simple. All right. And then lastly on the podcast today, John, we just have our game of the week, our pickup pile of the week, and we're done. That's another week in the books. So let's start with our game of the week. You, as always, I will give you the floor. What is your game of the week this week? Is it another stinker or are you going to give me a good one? Uh, My game of the week is Ape Escape 2. (laughs) <laughs> uh, available now on PlayStation 4 for $4. Um, I brought the PlayStation 2 version. Um, I don't know why, but Sony, during the PS2 generation, just lost all faith in Ape Escape. And so they didn't publish it in the U.S. for some reason for Ape Escape oh, wow. 2 yeah. and Pumped and Primed. They were both published by Ubisoft. And they're great games. Do you think that game was a bust on PS1? It was like the first analog required video game on PS1. I really liked it. Um, and it was unique. It had a great sense of humor. Uh, I played the hell out of it. I, I played Ape Escape. Uh, and that was the reason I bought the DualShock controller was Ape Escape 1 on PS1. Uh, and Ape Escape 2 is still fantastic. I was playing it before I came here today. I, I went through three levels on PS4. And I, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, the graphics look great. Like it, that game still holds up. I was enjoying the hell out of it. So, Sony, make more damn Ape Escape yeah. games, and not mini games, not party games. Screw those party games. Nice. All right. Well, John, my game of the week, as you properly guessed by looking at my stack of games, is the original Persona for PS One. Now, Persona Five has come out recently, within the last year or two or whatever. People love Persona Five. People love Persona 3, 4, and 5. They love it's all like, ooh, it's half high school drama. Ooh, it's like half anime weave. It's like, ooh, it's half like punk rock, whatever. I can't stand Persona anymore, John. My <laughs> Persona is Persona 1 and 2 for the PS1. And I played this game when it came out. And I remember thinking, like, I love Japanese RPGs. It's it's pixel-style graphics in the battle. It's like a, I think it's 6 on 6 or it's like it's it? it's kind of isometric view battle it might be three on three but, i think it's three on three but it's just um it's really nice looking and they have those weird stuff like oh you can talk to the enemy instead oh you can try to coax them to be your friend like what in an rpg what, what are we talking about it's uh i always called persona or more um appropriately the shin megami tensai games i always called them the anti-final fantasy Final Fantasy was a lot of whites and pastels and this beautiful, you know, symphony music. And 
Persona and Shin Megami games have dark colored menus, heavy metal soundtracks, and it's all about demons and hell and everything. And weird dick monsters. And dick monsters or something. I don't know. Maybe. That's... Have you seen? There's lots of dick monsters. Probably. In uh, you know, sometimes they look like cannons on wheels. You know, John, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I'm just saying. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but uh, when you go around the world map, you're in first person, like a square by square dungeon crawler. It's so much fun. I, I remember this game being really, really good, and uh, and it was just it was unique. And then. Later, they kept making it like when Persona 3 came out. I know it, it was a fundamental shift for the series, and a lot of people really liked it on PS2. But for me, they took like they took it into this weird turn of high school drama slash whatever slash RPG. I'm like, I don't want that. I want this, and I I really love this, which is why I love so much on PS2, Digital Devil Saga, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. Uh, those were like the really good Shin Megami games. That's where they took the Persona from one and two. That's kind of the angle they went. They just okay. called it something else. And so Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne is one of my favorite RPGs, and same with Digital Devil Saga 1 and 2. They're just really good, unique anti-Final Fantasies. You know, just so really good stuff. So on the PS1, it's called Revelation Series Persona, because Revelation Series was the, what they were calling the U.S. version of Shin Megami Tensei, because saying Shin Megami Tensei is really annoying every time you want to try to explain the series. So they're like, we'll call it Revelations Persona. But then they dropped the name after the first game, and the second one's just called Persona 2, and then they they never called it Revelations again. Do so. you have the Game Boy Color Revelations games? I, I don't. Like Demi Kids or something like that? So Well, so for GBA, it's Demi Kids, and okay. for Game Boy Color, there is a Game Boy game called just like Revelations, I think. Okay. And uh, so I don't have those. I don't have those either. I need them mint in box, and that's going to be nigh impossible <laughs> yeah. to find. So, you know, I'm looking. Uh, you spent some bucks looking. on that. Rob in Oshkosh actually has a boxed copy, but that it is beat, beat up. It's it's not it's not Greggy condition. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, so my game of the week, Persona, John's game of the week is Ape Escape 2 for PS2. Any Ape Escape numbered is pretty fun. Yeah. Ape Escape 1 for PS1 was really good. Number is a lot of fun. 3 is good, too. So then moving on to our pickup pile of the week. John, once again, I'm going to pass it over to you. All what right. did you get? Once again, your pile dwarfs mine. So I this is a weird week for me because if Greg didn't give me an Xbox 360 game, I would have no Xbox products that I bought this week. <laughs> now um, I'm kind of upset that I did give it to which you. Which is bizarre. <laughs> All right. So I bought Real Heroes Fire, Firefighter. Um, which was 20 bucks on Amazon. Um, the, isn't that a remake of the PS2 game? No. Uh, I thought it was because the uh, the PS2 game is actually decent, and it's made by Konami. Um, this is a remake of a Wii game. Oh, and after oh. I looked it up, I was like, oh, this is going to be garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and it probably is. Yet you still bought it. Yep, you're damn right. Um, I picked up Grip. The Air Blades versus Rollers edition, which comes with the extra DLC, um, which grip reminds me of Roll Cage. Yeah, which uh, I do love. PS1, Roll Cage. Yeah, which reminds me of um, Wipeout. Like they're all kind of the same sure. idea. Um, and grip, I played it a little bit when it was on Game Pass, and it's actually pretty neat. Um, the Xbox copy was the same ten dollars, and I couldn't find it. Well, if you find it, you don't want the PS4 one. I'll take the PS4 one. No, I'm not going to give that game. Where away. was it? Ten dollars. GameStop. Dang. Sealed, too. Wow. You, wait, so you didn't get their last copy? Because everything I buy there is literally their last copy. I did not. Well, and this was actually a pre-owned. Um, it was part of the 4 for 10. but uh, Or no, it wasn't part of the 4 for 10. 
Um, four for twenty. Four for twenty. This actually, this was new, and for ten bucks. So nice. I would totally buy that for ten bucks. Actually, uh, speaking of ten dollar GameStop games, Monkey King <laughs> Hero is back. I saw that, which, and I didn't buy it. <laughs> which uh, Dragon Ball is based on the same Chinese fable that this Monkey King game Correct. is, which is also Enslaved, enslaved Odyssey yeah. to the West. Yep. It's based on that same fable. Sayuki Journey West is the same fable yep. that it's based on. That's a PS1 RPG, yeah. Yeah, this is based on a movie, apparently, um, which I'm sure it's a movie that was probably mainly funded by China. Can you read me that title one more time? Monkey King Hero is Back. Hero is Back. Yes. <laughs> Monkey King Hero is Back or yes. Monkey King Hero is Back? Something like that. <laughs> Doesn't um, matter. <laughs> uh, I got Mars Odyssey. Another $10 GameStop gem made by Hoplite Research. Hold it up higher so I can see that. They make like. nothing but terrible uh, games. VR, okay, so it's not VR required, just mode. It is mode. not. Okay. It's, so you're, you're the you're the Mars rover? Apparently. Do you remember in high school when the Mars rover was ro- rolling around Mars and, like, they would load, like, pictures and it yeah. would take forever? Yeah. Yep. I, I'm going to be you able st- to experience you- that in <laughs> VR. Uh, this, I'm actually, this next PS4 game, I was super excited about. Um, I've wanted this for a while, and I finally got a decent deal on Amazon. Uh, and it actually came a lot quicker than I expected. The American Dream. Yes. Uh, I, I Yes, I know exactly what that game is, and I, I love that. I love this box. Uh, it has got a family around the grill outside. It, the art style is like the nuclear family, where it's yeah. like you know that fifties, like Norman Rockwell. Yeah. It looks like it looks like art for, that would be in a Fallout game. But every single member of the family is armed with some sort of weapon, <laughs> including their golden retriever, who's got a nine millimeter handgun. I can't help but feel, John, that this is some sort of statement about s- culture in America. It very much is, um, and actually, <laughs> it's not an American company, if I remember correctly. Oh, this game is so in your face about like, <laughs> like just glorifying gun stupidity. It's great, um, and they didn't publish this in the U.S. Because they didn't want to face backlash from uh, things like the NRA yep. for publishing in the U.S., which is funny because the NRA is super into letting you own guns, but they would have their panties in a twist well, about a game, game. kind of making fun mm. of that. <laughs> so very glad I got that. Um, I also picked up uh, the collector's edition of Neo 2 uh, for PS4 which came with a steel case, came with the soundtrack and some other good stuff like an art how, book. How much was that one? It was 20 bucks more? It was 80. That's um, not bad. That's 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 a good price. Yeah, when one I did not pre-order it, but I'm a sucker for if I can find a collector's edition and it In doesn't wild. Have, and if it doesn't have Best Buy stupid spider clip on it, I'm probably going to buy it. Mm. Um so and when I saw that it had the season pass with it, that kind of was what made me go out and get it. So I picked it up at Best Buy. I don't know what's going to go on. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, uh, I, I'm trying to think like, I don't know what it, what's going to be in a season pass for that. I don't remember if Neo even had DLC that uh, was it, paid. It had a couple extra Did DLCs. It? Okay. Yeah. Well, again, I, like I say, I often don't go back to games. Yeah. So oftentimes I'm not the, the information king of DLC. Yeah. Uh, so, Greg gave me Lego Dimensions for Xbox 360. Um, I got the disc and the portal, mm-hmm. uh, which actually I think like a week ago 
I was mentioning to you that I needed an Xbox or an Xbox yeah. branded portal yep. for for Lego Dimensions, <laughs> and one just walked into a store and was just donated to him. Yep. So he was nice enough to give that to me. Which so I I, I, I paid it forward. I donated yep. it to John. <laughs> and now it lives with thousands of other video game materials. Yeah. Happy. Um, happy little family. I got Patapon two for PSP. Uh, I need something to get free shipping on Amazon, so I I threw Patapon two on there because I didn't own it. And then I actually got these from Greg today. Um, I was one of those weirdos that was still in a store during some sort of pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I picked up the Genki Bunko Fighting Climax for PS Vita. You had me at Climax. Uh, I got Tokyo Tattoo Girls, mm. which is a garbage game. Um, and then I got The Longest Five Minutes, which is basically what my wife says every time we have sex. <laughs> That's low-hanging fruit, John. Yep. Come on. You're better than that. <laughs> so that was my pickup pile of the week. Um, I, Greg got an amazing stack of well, amazing monolith wall of PS Vita games. In, it, it is gargantuan. Yeah, yes. and I still have one waiting for me that I got to pick up. You had to wait till payday, and we're going to be closed on paydays, so we yeah. had to hold it longer. If that Trumpy stimulus package actually happens, I might buy more of those PSP or PSV nice. games. Nice. So you might get cool. economically stimulated by me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, so my pickup pile of the week. First, I actually have a little figure. I have a Totaku figure of Artorius from Dark Souls. So uh, these Totaku figures were when they first started coming out, it was like Sony's answer to Amiibo, it seemed. But they don't do anything. They're just little figures. They have cool packaging. I like how it is. And then they started just making any character they felt like. So yep. there was like a Laura Croft Totaku and then a Hihachi Totaku. I'm like, okay. They did Banjo as well. They did Banjo. Yeah, yeah, they did Banjo, right? Yep. So then I was like, well, it's not a Sony thing. It's not. It's just, a, they're just toys. Is the base still a plus? Uh, Yes. Okay. That's weird. But yes, yeah, so, but this one's a Dark Souls one, which I love Dark Souls. It's Artorius, who's my favorite boss in Dark Souls, and I love the story and mythos of him. And it was on sale for five bucks. I think these are normally like twelve ninety nine. I think they're ten or ten. Yeah. So I got it for five bucks. So that was a no brainer. So this is kind of a weird one, and, and even John was like, "Why do you have this?" But I got a loose copy of Zelda: Link's Awakening for the original Game Boy. Now the reason I have a loose copy is because I was waiting for this to come in because a mint box and booklet and everything came in about five months ago and so now that the loose cart came in i can take the loose cart home put it with my complete copy and add it to my collection nice so i have a mint in box copy of ocarina of uh, excuse me of Link's awakening for the game boy now uh instead of just having an empty box booklet sitting on the shelf uh next up i for ps1 i picked up a copy of metal slug x uh, i have xx on psp um but i really like it's ps1 which i'm a sucker for everyone knows that yeah and it's metal slug which i'm also a sucker for and it smells like X. And now, that thing looks new. Yeah, I mean, I did recase this because okay. that case was a little beat up, but it is a very nice-looking case. Um, next up are my GameStop gets. Uh, I picked up Children of Morta. They had this new for 15 New as in it's still uh, it's it's opened and not brand new. Yeah, <sighs> uh, you worked there. You I did work there, and I get it. I just <laughs> think it's still frustrating that they haven't changed it after 10 years. Yeah. Like They really haven't found a better way to do things. Um, and then you have, I picked up a copy of war groove. So they had this used for 15. This is the spiritual successor to like advance wars. Yeah. Um, I like the look of it. Local co-op play. Uh, I don't know if it's any good though. I've never actually played it or I've read heard about it's it. It's really good. Um, but 15 bucks and I like the pixel style look, um, campaign editor I'm in. And then lastly, 
I also picked up a copy of Neo 2. Only the regular copy because, uh, like I said, I don't play DLC and I don't care anyway. And uh, I picked this up Friday morning and I've played about six or eight hours of it so far. Okay. It's as brutal as the first one is and it's 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 as frustrating but it's a lot easier to play multiplayer and okay. so it's easy to call people into the game and just get three people to beat up on a boss and then the game's infinitely easier so i have no qualms about inviting people into this game to help me it's it's like when i play dark souls i want to do everything by myself this game like i don't care get two people in here let's fight this boss does uh does that game also have an invasion system in it like dark souls where it does not oh thank god it does not yeah i i hate being invaded in dark souls it is the least favorite thing it's it's kind of the worst because you're already dreading wherever you are and then you see that thing pop up and you're like and then if by some crazy chance you happen to be better than the player who invades you and you beat the crap out of him. He runs away into the enemies who don't attack him. They only attack you. And then you'll try to slowly fight the enemies as he's trying to backstab you. Uh, it's just a whole headache. Now, in Dark Souls 3, there's an item that you could use that would turn the enemies against invaded players, invading okay. players. So I would use that a lot. And it was great. Um, <laughs> we actually, I, Dark Souls 3, I PvP'd a lot. And I normally don't PvP in the Dark Souls games, because I just don't care, and there's always usually so much lag, it's just obnoxious, like, you'll go to backstab a guy, and then all of a sudden, it'll skip around, and he'll be behind you backstabbing you, and you're like, what the hell just happened? The only PvP stuff I did in Dark Souls was in 2, where the Bell Covenant, you had to do, like, 30 battles in order to get a spell, Yep. and so I did that enough to get the spell, because I wanted the platinum. And that was really obnoxious, because when you're trying to get up there, it's a PvP zone, so you can be running your way and you're just about to go out the door to fight him, and then it turns gray, and you're like, why can't I leave this place? Oh, I'm getting invaded. And then it was a very... Sm- and then if you die, you have to go and fight all the enemies again, and it's... Oh, it's well, a pain in the ass. And at launch, you'd get... You'd beat the invader, and then you get invaded again Instantly. immediately. <laughs> Instantly, yeah. They, I remember that. And, and like, that was a zone that you could not go to online. Like, because we... My brother and I tried to play it all together, and I was like... Yep. Well, and first of all, you don't have to do that area, so it's fine. But I'm like, I want to do the area, and I want to do it with my brother because we're doing the whole game together. Nope, go into offline mode and just do it yourself, and then get and then hook back up online. So stupid. Yep, I did that too. Um, and that's all I had. That is it for today, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and watching. As always, uh, obviously, we talked about how everything in the world has been affecting my store. It should not really affect this podcast. I should. Um, I'm not sure about next week because we are planning on doing that store inventory. So I'm not sure what time I get out of there, but I, I like to do this. Uh, and so my plan is still going to be next week around the same time as we did it this week. Maybe a little earlier, good. John, actually. Wouldn't that be nice? But we'll see where we're at with the inventory because I'm supposed to be off Thursday, Friday, Saturday next week to go to a LAN party anyway. Which What, what are you playing? Hmm? What are you going to be playing? At the LAN? Yeah. Oh, I mean, anything. We, we, we switch all the time. Oh, okay. But, you know, it depends on what we're playing. But we do StarCraft Tower Defenses. We do PUBG. We do starcraft maps we do i don't know anything you can get your hands on Starcraft. (laughs) yeah you wouldn't want to go it's a pc land (laughs) but thank you as everybody for listening and watching we should unless something crazy happens and the internet goes down and power goes out we should be here so like i said i really appreciate always listening and 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 thank you for all the kind words for you that have you know sent me messages and stuff through uh facebook and through my texts that uh you know that uh you know about the store closing and, and everything and i really really appreciate it i hope you all have a great week We will talk to you next time. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.